This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine, fresh off the Olympic Trials Marathon weekend. So excited to bring you some post-race interviews this week. And the first interview we're sharing is with Dakota Lindworm, who was third place at the Olympic Trials, securing her spot on the 2024 Olympic team for the United States in Paris. So excited for this woman. Dakota runs for Puma, and she ran the race of her life at the trials. She ran 225-31, third place. She's going to break down the whole race for you in this episode. You know, she is just one of those runners that is such a joy to watch compete. She has fun. She works so hard, and I cannot wait for you to hear what she said about her mindset leading into this race, during this race, her training, all the things. She's going to tell us all about it in this episode. Uh, Dakota has a marathon PR of 224.40. She is a multiple-time grandma's marathon champion. And little known fact you might not know about Dakota is that she walked on to her Division II college team. And she's got a fun story about that in this episode. She was 36th place at the 2020 trials. And wow, she has just had an amazing progression in this sport. Her coach is Chris Lundstrom. She runs with Minnesota Distance Elite. And I just want to share with you the other times she's been on the podcast. She was on the show in 2022 after she won the Grandma's Marathon, episode 398. You can also hear from her after Chicago this past year, episode 494. She was on the show with Sarah Vaughn. Friends, if you are looking for an amazing way to fuel your runs, look no further than you can. I want to let you know that you can you can <laughs> grab yourself some free samples of their Edge Energy Gels when you just go to youcan.co slash another. You can get four free energy gels. You just have to pay shipping. Their gels provide slow-burning carbohydrates, which sets their gels apart from any other on-the-go energy nutrition. Easy on the stomach, I used UCAN before the Donna Half Marathon. I used their energy powder and felt so good throughout the race. I was pacing one of my athletes, Kara, who also uses the UCAN Edge Energy Gels. Go save, actually get free samples when you go to UCAN.co slash another for free samples. And then if you are already a fan and you want to use my code another, that'll get you 15% off your order of any of the UCAN products. That's youcan.co slash another. Use the code another for 15% off. All right, let's hear from Dakota. Dakota Lindworm, welcome to the show. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for this opportunity. I'm sure you are being bombarded with media requests. I definitely am, but I am just so happy to make time for the people that I really care about and have supported me even, you know, before this and who I've, you know, listened to through my career. Oh, you are so sweet. Okay. You're an Olympian now. Like you, wow. Okay. Where do we even begin? Tell me right now. How do you feel right in this moment? 
Um, it's like, I keep feeling like I need to pinch myself. Like I'm going to wake up from a dream and be like, Oh, that was all really great. But now I have to actually go run the race. Um, but I just, <laughs> I don't think it's like sunken. I feel like it's still just like I'm in bed and it's race morning and I haven't done this really crazy thing yet. Okay. Let's go there in bed race morning. You open your eyes. What are you thinking? Um, I woke up, I woke up before my alarm and I woke up feeling really good because I had actually gotten some solid sleep, which isn't always the case. Um, so I feel like I woke up and I was just like, Oh, like we, we actually feel rested in the race morning. That's refreshing. (laughs) How'd you stay calm in the morning? Um, I didn't, I'm going to be honest. (laughs) Um, so Right now I'm in the Dominican Republic. So Sunday morning, we left for, we flew out of Orlando to come to the Dominican. And for some reason on race morning, I was like, we need to pack. Things need to be cleaned up in this room. (laughs) I was like, I just got on one. And I was like, I need to be doing all these things. But my boyfriend Montana was like, grab the chair. He's like, sit down. Here's your food. Here's your coffee. The only reason you get up is to go to the bathroom, nothing else. (laughs) And he just kind of sat me down. He calmed me down. Um, And that was exactly what I needed because it's like you have all this nervous energy and it feels like you need to put it somewhere. And for me, that's like moving and cleaning for sure. Oh, my gosh. Yes. That is like such a classic response to stress. I think we can Mm -hmm. all um, we can all resonate with that for sure. Okay, so the race, it was hot. Like it, did it feel like, tell me how you felt with the heat on race day. I felt really good. I honestly like walking up to the starting line. I was cold. I had like goosebumps and I remember thinking like, enjoy this moment. It's not going to last. You're not going to be cold for long. (laughs) Um, but I had been in Florida for like two months and I never really felt hot, hot. Like I never was like, oh, I am just sweating to death but I was constantly pouring water on myself and using on myself and using the sponges which I think were really critical to staying cool um I would say that I am definitely a warm weather runner also so I think that plays in my favor interesting coming from Minnesota yeah I am definitely not a cold weather runner um I just I don't know I don't do well in the cold I have a hard time staying warm even this last Boston it was not cold there but it had rained and my kit got so wet that I ended up being hypothermic. Like I, I once I'm cold, I don't warm up. Yeah. Um, I, speaking of Minnesota, I saw your, the video of you and Kara talking after the race and she was like tearing up. Tell me what that felt like talking to her. That felt so cool. And then like later that night, I, we stumbled into this random brewery that Kara and Des happened to be at. And when I, when they saw me, they freaked out. And I was just, they had just posted their podcast that they recorded earlier that night. And I was just thinking about that moment when they freaked out that I was there. And I was like, you guys are freaking out for me, but like, I am freaking out because you guys even know who I am. Like, that is such a special thing. And for care to come up and just be so emotional. um, Hmm. She just really cares about the running world. And then of course, just being two Minnesotans, I think that she just felt really proud, you know, for me and I... It just means so much because I've looked up to her for so long. And I always say, like, you can't – it's hard to do something that you can't see. And she was somebody, like, I could see how to make the Olympics through her. Mm. So let's talk about the race itself. Um, that pack stayed together for quite a long time. Uh, tell me what was going on through your mind while you all were still packed up. I was surprised at how long we stayed in kind of an uncomfortably big pack. Um 
really the first lap, I was just like, brain off. Don't think about what's going on. Just get behind somebody and hang on for dear life. Um, my, the, my kind of race thing that I was going back to in my head is survive in advance, survive in advance. Um, and then we came around on lap two and the Puma watch party was right before you took a left and went up a hill. And I just happened to look over and I saw my aunts and my dad and I just like, you just get such a buzz when you see the people who care about you so much. And I took the lead there for, I don't know, maybe two miles. And I just remember being like, darn it, Dakota, you are not supposed to be doing this. This is not what coach wanted. Um, and I just was doing everything I could to really get people to take the lead back for me. I, I slowed down quite a bit, but nobody really seemed to to want to take it back. Um, but I finally did settle back in. And then um, starting that last lap, Fiona just blew everybody's doors off. And um, out of zero disrespect for her, I kind of thought to myself, bad move. Right. You, made a mis- you made a mistake. Um Obviously not. She's an absolute beast. (laughs) She ran the race of a lifetime. She was going to be one of the greats in American marathoning, but she blew everybody's doors off. Emily did make a move to try to go with her. I don't know that she never really caught her, but, um, and then a smaller pack of women went and I just wasn't a part of them. I, they, I think they probably were running like five tens and I, I just couldn't do it. I knew that was out of my wheelhouse. I'd be in over my head at that pace at that time. And before the race, I told my coach, Coach Lundo, that it, if it wasn't, if it was fourth, 50th or last, I was going to be disappointed and that I wanted to make every move until I couldn't. And he said, hey, if a move is made late and it's a big one, people are probably going to come back. Mm-hmm. People try to cover those moves and then they break apart. Just don't be that person. Be patient. And in that moment, I was like, okay, keeping him in my head. This could come back, but there was a part of me that was like, there's a team. The team is running away from me, and I'm not going to be able to catch them. But sure enough, um, Carolyn Rotich came up on me, and she was great. She encouraged me so strongly. Aww. She reminded me, it's not over. We can still catch them. And her and I kind of worked together to, to catch that group again. And then um, she passed them, and I passed them. And from there, her Carolyn and I kind of battled it out Um until like two to go, I think. And even then, once I felt like I was alone and and people were telling me 15 seconds back, 20 seconds back, 30 seconds back, which I was so thankful for, I was still like, you cannot think about the finish line until you can touch the finish line. Um, And it wasn't until like literally the last two seconds that I was like, okay, soak it in. It's time to to believe it. Wow, that's interesting because I was about, I don't know, maybe 200 meters out from the finish when I saw you come by. And I did think that I was like, she's not celebrating yet. Like, not that Mm. I expected you to have arms in the air yet, but I was like, she doesn't seem like she knows she has this yet. Totally. And you know, it's so funny. Somebody messaged me and was like, there weren't a lot of smiles in that last lap. And I just (laughs) felt like it was all business. And I never in my life would have forgiven myself if I would have said, oh, let's enjoy this for the last 600 meters. And then somebody catch me. Um, I knew that I had the rest of the day and the rest of my uh, my life to enjoy that moment, but I wanted to cross that finish line and secure it first. I mean, we can all probably think back to moments when somebody thought they had a race won and celebrated too early and then Mm. didn't get it. And I just didn't want to be one of those headlines. 
Wow. I love that inside information you just gave us that Carolyn came up on you and said, it's not over yet. Like what did that do for you mentally? Cause had, did you think it was? There were definitely voices in my head saying that team's running away from me right now and you can't catch them. Um, it was so helpful. I think that's what's so beautiful about the marathon is of course we all want those top three spots, but the marathon's really freaking hard and we all have to encourage each other as we're running. Otherwise, like, you know, we have to lift each other up. That's the only way as a team we're going to get better. Yeah, because then you worked together with her to yes, catch up. and that pulled pulled her, hopefully, yeah. Yeah. Um, what – so because, like, Sarah was in front of you then. So then you guys passed Sarah. What was that like passing Sarah? Because we all know how, like, much of a grinder Sarah is, and obviously you've probably been watching her race for years. How did that feel? It felt – it was so double-sided. So Carolyn passed her first, and then I caught Sarah – because Carolyn was kind of running away from me at that point. And I said, it's not over. It's not over. I tried to do the same thing that Carolyn had done for me. Um, and just out of respect for Sarah, she is going to be on the, you know, Mount Rushmore of American marathoning or distance running for women. And it's just heartbreaking to for me that she's not going to be able to put Olympian under behind her name at some point. Um, and maybe she'll double back for the track. And if she does, there's nobody I want on that team more than her because I feel like mm -hmm. she deserves it so deeply. Um, so a little bit of me was like, oh, I really want you to make this team, but I, I, I want to make this team more. <laughs> um, what about Jess McLean? Because obviously she's one that like, I don't know if you listen to anybody talking about predictions and things like this, like people weren't talking about her. And when you were running with her, like you knew who she was from, from the track and whatnot. But what did you think when you were running by her? So I never ran by her at all. I had been in front of her the whole race and she was closing on me. I think if that race had been oh. a mile a mile longer, she probably would have had me. Um, the thing about Jess is I roomed with her. I am going to struggle to remember which race. It was either like the 15K or the 20K, uh, one of the USATF championships. And at that time, I was like, oh, she's a track runner. Um mm -hmm. And it was a distance event. So I was kind of like, oh, it's, you know, that's like a long run for her. It's going to be like a grinder. And she took second there at okay. whatever race that was. And I was like, oh, shoot, when she comes to the marathon, it's going to be dangerous stuff when she, <laughs> when she decides to move up. So, well, yes, I was super surprised. That's a, an amazing race. Part of me was like, I know that she she's going to be really great at this race, especially once she gave herself the confidence to, to run such a gutsy race like that. This podcast is supported by Purina Pro Plan Sport. I know a lot of listeners here like to run with their dogs, have dogs, and there's so much joy you get out of running together. And it all starts with Purina Pro Plan Sport. This is a dog food formulated to fuel your dog's adventures. Pro Plan Sport gives your dog the strength and stamina they need to take on your extraordinary life together. Go to ProPlansport.com to find the right sport formula for your dog. ProPlansport.com. All right, back to the show. Now we've been like, you know, we've been watching you for years now, but I went back and we've talked about this. I think we talked about this after you ran Chicago, 36th at the 2020 trials, 36th yes. place at the 2020 trials, which at the time, let's just like, look at that. When you place 36 at the 2020 Olympic marathon trials, what did you think about that? And like, what did you think 
you had in store for you in your future? The 2020 trials, it was for me just like such a like happy to be there moment. Um, I think I was probably pretty okay with 36. I very vividly remember running like a seven minute mile at like mile 23 in Atlanta. Oh, I had geez. I had a pretty tough day there. Uh, but like I was running along Jordan Hesse, um, and I remember being like, oh man, like this feels really cool to be like running along somebody I like looked up to for so long. Um, and then just thinking back, like forward to four years, so the 2024 trials, I was like, I, I'm happy with this right now, but like, I don't want to be happy with this in four years. I want to mm. like, I wanted it to be like an all or nothing. You're on that team or you're bummed kind of situation. So like over the, you know, the progression of your career since those 2020 trials, like multiple grandmas wins, uh, you had a gr- pretty good race in Chicago. Um, Boston was hard. Talk about coming back from those experiences, like Boston, you were probably really disappointed. And then Chicago, you came back and it was like another progression, another build. How do you stay um, focused and confident when there's you're riding waves? I mean, I think you know that when those waves are coming, that there's going to be another high that comes and another low. I feel like you just have to expect it. And when you're in those lows, you remember how good the high feels. And when you're in the highs, you're, you notice, like, soak it in because you know how bad the lows hurt. Um, and then just coming off of Chicago is kind of another, like, double-edged sword of, yeah, it was a PR, but I, I really do believe I was in, like, 223 shape and so to also be 11th at a world major, like just to crack the top 10 would have been so cool. And it was right in my fingertips and I let it slip away. So there was definitely disappointment with that. But um, as soon as the build started after Chicago, things were just clicking for me. And it just didn't even feel like an option for me to make this team. I just knew it was going to happen. It was just, it, I was, I was making the Olympics and I've been telling my family, my friends, my coach that for months now. What would you say? I mean, there's like 15 women that could have really realistically made that spot, like made that third spot. How do you stay so confident in that? Like when you line the start line and then as you're trying to get back to that third place spot, once people ran away. I don't know how to describe it other than it's just like that gut feeling. You just know something is going to happen for the last three months I've said to Annie, okay, well, after I make the Olympics and then like when I, I talk to grandma's marathon every January to set up my race there. And I, I emailed, I said, um, I'm going to make the Olympics. So I'm not going to be there for the marathon. I'd like to run the half marathon. And then I did do a PS. If I don't make the Olympics, I want to be there for the (laughs) marathon. But like I gave them full warning. I said, I want to be there, but it's not going to be for the marathon. Um, it's just like this, you have to just have this undeniable belief. And I don't know, I just knew how well my build had been. And I knew that a lot of key players were a little bit beat up. Um, and I just felt like I just felt like it was going to be my day. And then when the pack was running away from me, um, I just, you know, keep in my coach in my mind, just reminding myself it wasn't over. What was his game plan for you? Did you have one? Yeah, we had a call earlier that week, and it was pretty much how it had laid out for me, just to kind of survive in advance, um, you know, sit in the shadows, don't do anything, you know, um, where you're in front, don't be pushing the pace. And, of course, I I did break that for two miles, 
<laughs> but I was smart about it and I didn't just try to hold from there. And I think he is probably pretty happy with the race I ran. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you see like when, because pretty quick, at even like mile 1.9, that's where I first saw you guys. You had already broke into two packs, really. Did you mm-hmm. know that? Like, had you did you have any idea how many people were grouped up so tight? Um, so I probably at one point nine, I probably wasn't even a part of that pack yet. The front pack, I think you were like, yeah, on the side. I was a there little, a little bit behind. Just the first mile was pretty um, okay. Like it was pretty fast still. I'd say like a five twenty five. The second mile, that lead group had to have been doing like a five oh five to a five ten because I think I dropped like a five fifteen, and I was like. My coach <laughs> warned me. He's like, if somebody, if they go out that fast, they're not holding that. We're not yeah. going to run the American record in Orlando at the Olympic trials. So yeah. just be patient. Um, and thankfully, Annie kind of had thought the same thing. And her and I worked together to get back up with that pack somewhere in that first lap. What about Annie? Did she know? Did she know you had made the team when she crossed? Um, I think she did. Yeah. Um, I, it, everything happened so fast. I feel like I didn't have a moment. I can't wait to go back and just like talk to everybody and say, what, like, what were you feeling? Like, when did you know kind of stuff? But I do believe she told me she, somebody gave her information saying I had made it and that she was, she was super excited for me. And, um, she's just like my best friend. So it's, it was super cool that somebody let her know while I, while she was still out there. Yeah. I was thinking about her. And then I was also thinking, about Natasha Rogers, who trains with Fiona. I was like, do they know their people just made the team? Yeah. I mean, gosh, I wish Annie had been up there with me. And I think her day, I know her day will come. But yeah, yeah, I am. It was super exciting to celebrate with her after for sure. Okay, so you crossed the finish line. And obviously, you said that last lap, you were like all business, like, (laughs) we're not doing any celebrating yet. But we see the pictures and the videos of classic Dakota just like, beaming. Like, did that even feel real to you? Could you put into words, like, what you felt when you crossed? I remember the – so vividly, I didn't know what to do, like, how to celebrate. I just remember going, what? <laughs> like, being like, how is this my life? Like, how is this me? Um, and then crossing the finish line and, like, getting to celebrate with Emily Sisson, somebody I look up to so deeply, and then Fiona's a Puma athlete. So being like, yeah, Puma – um, and getting handed our American flags and just being like, I have dreamt of feeling what this flag feels like on my shoulders for so long. I'm going to, I'm tearing up right now, um, thinking about it, but just holding that flag and like getting to do the interviews and the victory lap, I would just be like totally fine and smiley and bubbly. And then all of a sudden just lose it and start crying. Cause it just kept like hitting me like in waves of like realization that my dreams were coming true in that moment. Has it sunk in? No, so we've, we were sitting on a cabana earlier today and I just started bawling and he's like, what? My boyfriend was like, what's going on? I was like, I just can't believe it. It still just keeps hitting me in waves, but I do think it's sinking in slowly. My parents who aren't even like fans of running really, they watched your post-race interview and my mom said you were talking about your mom and just like, oh, it just means so much. What did you say in that post-race interview? Oh, gosh, it just feels uh, like such a blur. I don't know that I can could say it word for word. I know that he asked me like what what I was thinking those like final stretch, that final stretch. And I, I was just saying like, Lord, help me carry me pull me through this because I can't do this alone right now. And then 
Um, he asked me about my support system there in Florida. And I think that's when I said I'd, I lost my mom to, to cancer in 2020. And my two, two of my aunts were there who are my mom's sisters and are as close to my mom's hug as I'll ever get on earth now. And it was just so special for them to be there and get to support me. How does your faith play into your training and your running? Um, I mean, my faith is probably why I have achieved this level I, in my belief that anything I do on this planet, I want to do for the Lord, which means like I, I want to do it to the best of my ability. I want to make him proud. Um, I always say this is a gift he's given me that I just want to give back to him as much as possible. Um, in those like last couple miles, I was pleading with him. I said, God, if, if you can do this for me, all the glory goes to you. <laughs> all the glory goes to you. So um, I, I, believe deeply like when we read the bible you see like uh david and goliath stories and i felt like a david out there and i got to you know beat the goliath mm. where where did your faith come from is that something you grew up with um both of my parents are believers but it wasn't um you know it wasn't something that they forced me into and then in college i had just a, a team that was really faithful and i felt like they even though I didn't know a ton, they, we had Bible studies and kind of, they taught me a lot. And then I was able to find my faith as an adult and, um, which I think is special in its own way. I feel like I got to choose it and, um, felt like, well, I truly, I'm chosen by the Lord, but, um, it just felt like it was something I got to grow into and not something that I was born into. I love that. You mentioned your college team. And if those listening don't know a lot about your history, walk on Division Two, Olympian now. When you walked onto that team at 18 or however old you were, you wanted to run in college. <laughs> Olympian, <laughs> did you ever think that would be behind your name? Um, it's my college roommate my freshman year was a high school best friend of mine. Um, and we had one night while we were sitting in our dorm um, – and we we're talking about, she's like, I'm, we we're talking about our future, you know, like she's talking about her boyfriend she was dating, who she wanted to marry and the kids she wanted to have. And I said, Megan, I don't want you to tell anybody this, but I want to make the Olympics. And which was so silly. And I, that's why I said, don't tell anybody this. She texted me this to re remind me. I was like, embarrassed. It was, that was an embarrassing dream for somebody like me to have at that time. But I, I guess it's just been on my heart and in my soul for so long that I, I thought I could make this an Olympic team. Oh my gosh. That's an incredible story. Oh yeah. my gosh. Um, what did your coach, Chris Lundstrom, what did he say to you after the race? And where did you find him right at the finish line? Um, where did I find him? He was at the finish line. He, he got himself in. I don't know how. Uh, <laughs> and I just, I remember just hugging him so tight. I don't know. He's not somebody who has these emotions that he wears on his sleeve. He's the most even keeled person ever, which is perfect for me. And I think that's such a great quality in a coach. In the first two laps, he was like, looking good. Everything's great, which is exactly what you expect from Lundo if you'd know him. And then the last lap, especially when I was in third, he was losing his mind. He was screaming so loud. He hardly had a voice. And then to see him after, he was just so overjoyed. And I just um, can't think of any coach who deserves this more because he – he's just such a great coach. And I feel like not a lot of people know who he is. He's not talked about that often, but he's so great. And he's so methodical with his training and receptive to what we say as athletes. And he just, he deserves so much credit in, in this. So 
you're on, you're on vacation in the D- Dominican Republic with by, by the way you guys like she's taking this interview on vacation <laughs> I sort of feel bad but I'm also sort of like thank you like <laughs> we want to hear the rundown we're so excited what's next um so we fly back home Friday and then I drive from my boyfriend and I drive from Florida to Minnesota. So hopefully we'll get home in time for the Super Bowl. Um, oh, nice. Who are you cheering? Who are you cheering for? Uh, well, I'm a Taylor Swift fan. So <laughs> the Chiefs, <laughs> whatever is going to make Taylor Swift happy. <laughs> What's your favorite Taylor song? Or if you had to pick a couple? Um, I really, if we're talking like running related, I really love Long Live. Um, that's kind of my pump up jam from her for oh, sure. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go listen to that. Did you listen to anything morning of the trials? Like, did you have anything in your AirPods? Yeah. Um, on the bus ride over and in the tent, I was kind of listening to like more relaxing music. There's this movie out on Netflix. It's called Gran Turismo. I don't know if you've seen it. I haven't. It's like, okay, well, highly recommend. It's like about a, a race car driver and he's kind of got like his chill music. And I literally Googled Gran Turismo soundtrack and I just played that. Um and then like right before the race, I was kind of listening to like more of my my pump up music, which is like the score. And um, I've been really loving Murder on the Dance Floor, which has kind of just recently gone viral. Oh, OK. I'll have to look that up. And yeah. then um, were you reading anything inspirational like weeks leading up to the race? I hadn't. I'm truly a big book nerd. I just haven't gotten into anything too inspirational. Sometimes I feel like I dive so deeply into it and I can feel those emotions so deeply, but I have been reading Up to Speed, which is, you know, about women oh, being underrepresented. Yeah. And I, I love it. That's been really interesting. I have like one chapter of that left. That's what I've been reading recently. And then I saw Sidious posted, you've been running 135 mile weeks leading up to this. Is this the highest mileage you've ever run? Yeah, coming down to Florida right before I left, I told Lundo, this is where I mean, like, he's really receptive of what we have to say. I said, Mom, you know, I've been doing 120s for a while. I think I can get up to 130, especially Florida's pretty flat. Um, it's nice weather, so it's not done on the treadmill. I think I can handle that. And he listened. And honestly, I've had the best workouts of my life doing 130 mile weeks, which I think is like, was where I got all my confidence of like, holy crap, I'd do a workout in the middle of a 130-mile week and come back and text my boyfriend. I'm making the team. Book your tickets to Paris. I was calling my dad saying, hey, you got to go get a passport. We're going to Paris. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is that is incredible. Um, yeah. Did you have any sickness or niggles leading up? I know a lot of people, like, got sick, like, five, six weeks out or had things pop up. Were you healthy all the way through? The Like, two weeks after Chicago, I got covid Okay. Um, which I was like, who even gets COVID anymore? This is so out of fashion. <laughs> um, <laughs> At least it was far out. That's good that you had some time there. Totally. That's what I was kind of bummed in the moment because my build had been delayed just ever so slightly. But I was like, well, maybe that means I'll be immune to it going into the trials. Um, and then I do deal with Achilles tendonitis. And I've had that for a few years now. Um, so in my 130 miles week, a week, it gets a little cranky, but I think we've kind of found a way to keep it at bay. And our chiropractor came down for a couple of days and worked his magic. So, Well, last question. How does it feel to be an Olympian? It feels like my dreams are coming true. I feel like it was the best day of my life so far. Mm, Dakota, thank you so much. 
Oh, thank you. Hey, friends. Thanks so much for being here today. Thanks, Dakota, for coming on the podcast. So, so happy for you. Y'all go follow her. I'm sure you already are. She's Dakota Lindworm on Instagram. We are cheering for you. We cannot wait to see what you do in Paris. Don't worry, friends. I've got some more post-trials interviews coming up this week. So excited to talk to some more of these incredible athletes and get some interviews out that I hope you can enjoy. I'd love to connect with you online. I'm lindsayhine626 on Instagram, lindsayhine on Twitter, X, whatever you call it. And you can learn more about this show and all the shows in our network at sandyboyproductions.com. My personal website is lindsayhine.com where I've got training plans and anything else you need to know about what I'm doing here. Don't forget to check out our sponsor, You Can. Go to youcan.co slash another and use the code another for 15% off your order. Thanks for being here and we'll see you next time on All Have Another.